0: Tens of thousands of jobs have been lost. Restaurants have closed permanently while others struggle to get by on a fraction of their business as they slowly and partially reopen.
1: My landlord is pushing us so hard. We were three days uh, late on our rent and he actually put an eviction notice taped onto our door.
0: Today on the Sunshine Economy, how can the restaurant business bounce back from COVID-19? I'm Tom Hudson. Also today, we check in with our banker, baker, and bartender about how they're getting along in the pandemic economy.
2: I didn't have a a customer all the way up until 2.30 and my shift ended at 4.
3: We are super excited. It's a crazy time. We had just a very strong pipeline that was
2: approved.
0: It's all ahead on the Sunshine Economy after the news. Welcome to the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening this week. Michelle Bernstein is known for her creative flavors, hard-driving work ethic, and her big smile. She's an award-winning chef and among those who have helped put South Florida on the culinary map over the past few decades, raising the profile of the restaurant industry. But her business has not been spared from the economic fallout from the pandemic.
1: We were 14 days late on our payment of our health insurance for everyone we had left in the building um, because I pay insurance for all of my staff.
0: Bernstein had 130 people working at her two restaurants and bars, Cafe La Trova in Little Havana and Sweet Liberty in Miami Beach. That had fallen to 14 as the restaurants remained closed.
1: 14 days late on our insurance payment for health insurance and we've all just lost our
0: health insurance. That was the middle of last week when we spoke with Bernstein. By the end of the week, she emailed us to say she was able to negotiate with the insurance company to reinstate the health coverage for herself and the employees she has left. Baby steps is how she put it in her email. It will take a lot of steps before the restaurant industry regains its footing again in South Florida. Tens of thousands of people rely directly on restaurants for jobs, and the indirect impact is enormous with suppliers, landlords, and others. The restaurant business has been badly damaged by the public health measures taken to slow the spread of COVID-19. Forced closings and then partial reopenings have stretched restaurant owners and workers. Some have gone out of business. Of every five jobs lost over the past year in South Florida, two of them have been cut by hotels and restaurants. In just two months, March and April, half of the restaurant and hotel jobs disappeared in South Florida. Employment in the sector fell to more than a 30-year low this spring as restaurants were relegated to take-out food only. While restaurants have been allowed to reopen first for outdoor dining, then at half capacity for their indoor dining rooms, there are only two-thirds the number of people working in the industry as there were just six months ago.
4: You know, any existing restaurant, it was just like trying to figure out what the new the new normal is going to be.
0: This is Chef Neven Patel. He owns Ghee Indian Kitchen, which had two locations before COVID. One remains closed.
4: We've kind of figured out the new normal, which is literally probably around forty percent of the business that we used to do. And coming up with a business model that, you know, we can survive off of that forty percent of revenue that we used to make. And how do we survive for the foreseeable future, like meaning at least the next year? Cause I don't really see a huge upticks in our business volumes with ghee right now. It's like kind of stabilized to where um, our numbers work
0: and uh, we can survive. The restaurant used to have 60 employees. Now it has 18. Patel says the business breaks even at that level. He's also become the father of twins and opened a new restaurant amid the pandemic. Mame is inside a new hotel near the University of Miami campus. You know, we
4: did have a lot of concerns because we were opening in the middle of COVID. And we saw the kind of destruction our industry has had. We opened up Mame, And it's been very well received. And I think it, like mentally, emotionally, and physically, was like a much-needed thing for our community, like in the Gables. Plus, just me as like a restaurateur, that uh, there is a little bit of hope for independent restaurants.
0: Marcelo Montavon and his son, Marcelo Andres, own and run five Fuddruckers in Miami-Dade and Broward counties. Fuddruckers is a different experience than the dining restaurants Michelle Bernstein and Neven Patel have built upon their culinary reputations. Fuddruckers has custom-cooked burgers and fresh produce bars with dozens of condiments and toppings. The Montavons own their franchised Fuddruckers. They have about 150 full-time employees and another 100 part time they're planning on opening a sixth location near Sawgrass Mills Mall by the end of the year. Marcelo Andres is the chief operating officer.
5: By the looks of it right now, I think we're on a good path. I feel very confident the way things have been shaping up in the last uh, three weeks since, uh, since we opened uh, dining rooms. I feel very positive about the future and confident
0: that it's going to happen. Because business slowed to a crawl for weeks, It's impossible to gauge any rebound by comparing to a year ago. Instead, the Maltavans are looking week to week to gauge the state of their business. And Marcelo Sr. says sales are returning, increasing about 5% each week.
6: Yeah, it means a lot. You know, at at the perception of the customer, you know, you feel in the customer. They're positive. They they, they don't want to eat at home anymore, you know. People are very happy to be out.
0: The ons business, the restaurant industry, and an economic recovery for South Florida relies on that growing confidence. So still to come, the tough road ahead for restaurants.
1: What everybody is trying to do is just to keep this model open, which doesn't seem good. It, the future doesn't seem very bright for the independent restaurant.
0: We're back on the Sunshine Economy here on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget you can subscribe to the podcast for Sunshine Economy. Just search the name of the program on your favorite podcast app. And also tell your smart speaker to play WLRN. Today we're talking about the restaurant industry and how the business rebounds from the pandemic. Restaurants are such an important part of the regional job market. A year ago, 10% of local jobs were in hotels and food service. It's less now because of the massive layoffs from restaurants closing and then allowed to only partially reopen. Some didn't survive. Many are still struggling. Chef Michelle Bernstein opened Cafe La Trova in Little Havana in early 2019 with her husband and business partner. It was a hit with its mix of pre-Castro Cuban cocktails and take on Cuban classic dishes. Bernstein has opened and partnered on a handful of successful restaurants in Miami going back at least 15 years. In addition to Cafe La Trova in Miami, she's a co-owner of Sweet Liberty in Miami Beach. And the two restaurants closed early in the pandemic. They have not reopened except for some occasional outdoor dining.
1: We have had to make the very tough decision uh, whether to open again until things really, really calm down. So we actually closed before the mandate. Um, we tried reopening and we saw, you know, the heat with um, the spread. And so we, we closed again before the mandate again. And now uh, we, are, we are conversing about the idea of opening three days a week. We can't decide if it's a good idea or not, as we all know, uh, once kids go back to school and when things open more up, we we've only gone through, you know, our first heat wave of COVID and we haven't had a second wave yet. And so, of course, I'm hoping we don't. However, uh, you know, we're just being realistic and we're con- very concerned because every time we do open, we're spending all the money that we're trying to hold on to with, you know, our dear lives. Right. Uh, to try to to try to do this again. So. Um, what we're doing is delivering, so we're just, we're trying to figure it all out, you know, um, and it's, it's tough, but, uh, and then Sweet Liberty, uh, other bar that also is a bar restaurant, um, I don't know, you know, I don't know when that's coming back either, I don't know, you know, it's a lot of questions out there.
0: We spoke with Bernstein via Zoom, along with Chef Neven Patel. Patel has found success with Ghee Indian Kitchen. He had two locations before the pandemic, only one has reopened, and he opened a new restaurant a month ago, Mame. Patel has made his mark with his cooking, certainly, and his business model. He grows some of his own ingredients on his backyard farm in Homestead.
4: Just a lot of emotions and trying to stay ahead of the curve, right, and try to plan things out in a smart way that, you know, business-wise makes sense. And you know it's a tale of two tales with both of our restaurants you know with ghee ghee was humming at all cylinders uh you know pre-covid and like everyone in our industry got hit really hard and it took a uh, it took some a couple months for us to get our bearings it's not profitable but it's like it employs people it feels the need for our community and uh, hopefully we can get on the other side when there is uptick in our economy.
1: I, I just have to say, chef, I mean, what you're doing is so admirable. Um, I think that you're incredible, you know, it, okay. it, and but what what we're seeing, and I'm part of the independent restaurant coalition is, is um, there are people, you know, tour chefs like Niven, who you know, is is just trying to make it work, and everybody's work. You know, we already had what, and like a sixty-hour work week, right? As exactly. regular, chef. and now all of a sudden, yeah. it what it went up double fold. You know, and so what everyone is trying to do is is keep the independent restaurant alive, right? And so all we're doing with, you know, having my waiters are delivery people, you know, they drive around Miami dropping off bags. And so what everybody is trying to do is just to keep this model open, which doesn't seem good. It, the future doesn't seem very bright for the independent restaurant in a larger picture, you know, we're losing probably more mm. than half of our independent restaurants. It's, it's, it's just a travesty. And it so is. Um, What you're doing, I think, is just amazing, trying to just keep it alive.
0: Let me ask you, though, as you have realigned this business model, and, Michelle, as you're approaching your business model and considerations about how to open up and how much, big costs are personnel, right, so the people, um, and, and real estate, the cost of leasing. So, Michelle, how are you approaching that real estate cost?
1: My landlord is pushing us so hard, we were three days uh, late on our rent, and he actually put an eviction notice taped onto our door.
0: Did you go to the restaurant and see that notice taped up on the front or the back door?
1: Of course I did. Yeah,
0: sure did. what'd you think? Sure did.
1: Yeah. And I ripped it off, and I ripped it into a million pieces, and we immediately called our lawyer. Not only are we dealing and, and it's hard not to get emotional, we're not only dealing with the stressors of trying to keep a business alive, we're trying to keep families, you know our employees, their families. I've lost three of my closest chef friends to, to Corona. Um, you know what next, right? So you go you walk up to your building and you're just trying to make things work, right you're trying to you know and I'm not young, I'm 50 years old, you know I'm, I'm trying to keep going, I'm trying to pivot. And you see a notice like that and it just, it's heartbreaking. And you wonder, you just wonder, you know, how, what else are you supposed to do? Like how else, what else, what am I supposed to do, right? What am I supposed to do to make this life work, right? And keep things moving for all these people. We have a hundred, we had 130 employees. And now? You know, and, and now uh, we are down to about 14.
0: How did the eviction notice get resolved if it did at all, Michelle?
1: We're fighting. We're in court.
0: Have you made any lease payments since receiving that notice?
1: Oh, yeah, of course. No, I was I was four days late.
0: According to the eviction complaint filed in court, Bernstein's landlord claims the restaurant was more than five days late paying its $14,000 a month rent in May, June, and July. And when it did pay, the complaint says, the restaurant did not include a 5% late charge that's included in the lease. There's a court hearing scheduled for next week. Even how do you... Hear this as you have reopened Ghee and you've moved forward with a, a new restaurant that you've opened during this pandemic. A little kind of glimmer of
4: hope has like been opening up Mame for us. I'm yeah.
1: curious about something. Um, yes. I'm wondering because you opened during COVID and it's mm-hmm. a brand new restaurant, were you able to kind of change the design to make it more apt to seating at the 50% and the separations?
4: Yes, we basically changed up the whole design and we kind of treated it as a blank space that we can socially distance um, tables and also create the environment. Like you like you mentioned, Michelle, like independent restaurants, the feeling from a restaurant tour, plus the guest who's dining is all about the, the ambience, the energy you feel, right, as a chef. <laughs> Like right. when you have a full dining room and you hear that noise coming from the dining room,
1: nothing better.
4: it's, there's nothing better than that. And, um, you know, like it's giving me goosebumps thinking about it on a Wednesday, we were pretty much at full capacity in Mamey. And I heard that, I heard that noise from the dining room and I like turned around to my sous chef and I was like, that's what we live for. Right. And it's yeah. amazing.
1: It makes me giggle, you know, it's right. really- it's that feeling. And I miss that desperately. We, we were doing 350, 400 covers a night at La Troa. And, uh, and I miss the movement desperately.
0: Michelle, what does six months a year, what does 2021 or 2022 potentially look like? And what needs to happen for this industry, particularly in South Florida, to uh, just begin a rebound, let alone recover?
1: So the rebound, it's gonna be really slow. Um, it, it's going to take quite a while. And, and I think it's going to take eight to 10 years for us to ever be where maybe we once were. Not that that is so negative. You know, we, obviously, I think taking taking a step back, I think that we as independent restaurateurs needed a change anyway. When you bring eight to 10% to the bottom line, if you're lucky, 12, um, you wonder, you know, are we masochists? Have What have we done to deserve this when we give so much good and so much happiness to people? So maybe we needed to take a step back. Maybe we need to reconst- reconstruct, reconfigure, figure out a better way to open you know, a more successful business as restaurateurs and as chefs. So I feel like we've all gotten a lot smarter out of this um, and we will continue to. I think that we have all, uh, learned our piece about how important it is um, to try to buy dirt, no matter where that dirt is.
0: What do you mean by buying dirt?
1: I'm buying land.
0: Controlling your supply chain more as a restaurateur and chef.
1: From beginning to end, whether it's, you know, farming your own stuff, owning the dirt where you um, harvest, whether it's uh, buying real estate or, you know, a, a small independent restaurant and owning the land of it, um, whatever it might be, to try to really just control your peace.
0: And even I'm wondering how you hear Michelle's experience and, and also how you've operated by doing some of the things that that she's thinking about now, by owning the dirt, by growing some of the uh, some of the food that you use in your restaurants.
4: Yeah, so it, it's twofold. I, I believe like You know, controlling the product and the supply chain is very important um, as we move forward. But then also, I think a a huge part of it is uh, consumer education. I still believe um, like our consumer, our guests that come into our dining rooms, I think uh, getting a little bit more knowledgeable of how the product actually gets to their plate um, and what the costs involved are. Like for example like a dish that we would put on the menu at ghee or even at Mame, um, that's coming from our farm right this is like a six-month process to grow one piece of vegetable that grows on our farm from like all the soil planting to the seed planting to the growing someone picking it uh, you know me bringing it to the restaurant a prep cook cooking it um and then you know, a server serving it. There's like so many hands, like this one little piece comes through and there's costs involved in there. And, you know, with all this like mass consumerism, it's kind of lost uh, on how much like a plate of food really costs.
0: Does what has happened with the pandemic Neven, even impact the risk tolerance for the money for the capital that is going to be necessary for the restaurant industry to rebound and rebuild itself in this region?
4: Yes. I mean, the, the days of, you know, obscene amounts for rent, I believe are going to be over for a while because like as a restaurateur looking for a space, like right now, there will be a lot of spaces opening up. Right. And, you know, just a year ago, it would, it would kind of be, a mix of, like, the landlord's terms versus, like, what you want, you know, out of the space, right? And you still had to do a lot of things uh, on the landlord's terms. Now, if I was going to look for a space right now, it would 100% be on my terms. And, you know, there is a possibility a landlord would actually agree to it right now. Um, Because, you know, from the temperature that I'm taking, the Landlord, like the landlords that I've been working with, like in our current projects have been actually very accommodating because I've been like since March when, you know, the mandate came down. I was very clear with our landlords like these are sales. This is what we did. And now you see the real numbers and how can we work
0: together? Have you been successful in renegotiating your real estate costs for your restaurants?
4: In the short term, yes. There's no long term solution yet. We kind of keep kicking the can down the road, which kind of uh, scares me. But in the short term, our landlords, we were able to come up with favorable terms where we almost kind of regroup on a month to month basis on like where we are.
0: When you talk about the long term concerns, have have the renegotiations essentially? just pushed out the lease payments so that there's a balloon payment kind of at the end of the lease?
4: Well, that's something that I did not agree to. So that was like the biggest thing. Like, I didn't want that balloon payment to happen. So it was more, uh, it was, you know, obviously it was a very tough negotiations between landlords because, you know, like you said, they just want to add it to the back end of your lease. And I'm like, this is not, I don't want my lease to get affected. I think we need to work as partners instead of just like individual restaurant versus landlord.
0: Michelle, your perspective as someone who's been very successful at attracting capital risk capital in for your uh, restaurant endeavors over the past many years and have been successful at that. How does this pandemic affect that environment to raise the kind of dollars necessary for an independent restaurateur to get off the ground?
1: Well, yeah, when you talk about investors, you know, I can, I can see where it seems to be a little weary, but you know, Chef Niven really touched on the fact that there will be an opening to, um, for a lot of people to jump into a business. Number one, I, I I fear that a lot of people will jump in finding so many open spaces and so, um, so much you know, lower prices in rent and real estate that people that might be a little, uh, let's just say ignorant to our,
4: mm-hmm.
1: you know, what truly goes into the restaurant business might be jo- ju- jumping in a, a bit of naivete, if you will. Um, and then I think that maybe some of us that you know, are rather seasoned um, might actually find opportunity where opportunity was lost
0: speaking with restaurant owners and chefs Michelle Bernstein and Neven Patel. Still to come.
1: Oh, happy day!
0: The sound of business returning to a landmark bar and restaurant after being quiet for six months.
7: People are laughing. People are just having a good time. Um, the bartenders are in, um, having a great time. It's just a great sound to have back.
0: This is the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks again for listening this week and for supporting public radio. It was six months between drinks at Sloppy Joe's Bar in Key West. The quintessential Keys Bar reopened Thursday after 184 days. And the crowds returned, too. The big jealousy doors swung open for the first time since March when Monroe County closed down to slow the spread of COVID-19. Flags from different countries still hang from the ceiling. There are a lot fewer tables to abide by social distancing and limited capacity rules, but some things hadn't changed.
7: We had three of our lookalikes come in, so they've been at the bar all morning, so Hemingway's back in the bar.
0: Donna Edwards is the brand manager at Sloppy Joe's. I caught her on the phone just a few hours after she reopened and the first guests came in.
7: The moment was a little, I was nervous. I would say some of my staff around was nervous, but uh, you know what? As soon as the doors opened, it seemed like we were back to normal.
0: Except it wasn't normal. Capacity is limited to 50%. There's no live entertainment. People can't be bunched up at the bar. No dancing. What were you nervous about? as you reopen those doors for the first time in six months?
7: The uncertainty of the last uh, six months is just, um, you know, were people going to come? When would they come? And uh, as soon as we opened the doors, we had our answer.
0: Getting people back through the doors is key to any rebound in the bar and restaurant business and a cornerstone for any economic recovery for this region. About half of the workforce in Monroe County was attached to the travel industry before the pandemic. Almost 40 percent of all the jobs lost from a year ago in South Florida were cut from hotels and restaurants. The hospitality industry has taken the brunt of the economic blow from measures taken to slow the spread of the virus. At Sloppy Joe's, Edwards had a mix of relief and reserved concern in her voice when she spoke to us on its reopening day.
7: If you've been at Sloppy Joe's before, you know the feel of the room. Um, Right now with the tables being at 50%, it looks so spread out. So we are definitely social distancing. Um, People have been great about wearing their mask until they're seated. Um, So it's been a good morning. It's been a good day. We're glad to be back.
0: She says they've called back almost all of their bartenders, servers, and cooks. Before the pandemic, the bar had just over 100 employees. All but 10 were let go by late March. Edwards has worked at Sloppy Joe's for 18 years. The restaurant and bar brags it opened the day Prohibition ended in 1933. It symbolizes the party-hard reputation of the Keys. When we spoke with her back in March as the Keys was closing down, Edwards was reflective about the uncertainty ahead.
7: You know, before we open, when it's quiet, it's always interesting to be in that room. When you're in there by yourself... It doesn't seem that big, you know, and then the doors open it up and it fills in. So it's lonely. It's eerie. You know, looking down Deval Street, it's um, it's different.
0: And now looking back?
7: <laughs> it was kind of just a holding pattern.
0: The business is out of that holding pattern after six months, but it is a long way from normal, even though the sounds of Sloppy Joes slip out again onto Deval Street.
7: People are laughing, people are just having a good time. Um, The bartenders are um, having a great time. It's just a great sound to have back. The sounds this morning are awesome.
0: Donna Edwards, the brand manager of Sloppy Joe's, speaking with us late last week as the bar opened for drinkers and diners for the first time since March. Still to come, how a father and son chain of restaurants have survived in South Florida and are looking to grow.
5: I think the industry needs people to be comfortable um, to come outside of their houses again. They have to know that our restaurants are safe.
0: We're back on the Sunshine Economy here on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks again for listening and thanks for supporting Public Radio. The restaurant industry still is in a deep recession. How could it not be? In South Florida, restaurants can only host half the number of customers in their dining rooms that they could before the pandemic. That limitation comes after restaurants were restricted to selling only to go orders for weeks and weeks, six months into the pandemic, and there's not a lot of good news for the industry. Nationwide, one in six restaurants, almost 100,000 of them, have closed for good or for a long stretch, according to a survey out this month from the National Restaurant Association. Proportionally in South Florida, that would mean about 2,000 restaurants and bars won't reopen and rehire tens of thousands of people who had jobs before COVID-19. Over 11,000 restaurants in Florida received stimulus money as part of the Federal CARES Act in the form of the Paycheck Protection Program loan. The money was designed to help keep people on payroll for a couple of months. Thousands of restaurants in Florida received billions of dollars combined. The money was a lifeline for Marcelo Montaban and his son, Marcelo Andres. They own and run five Fudrucker restaurants in Miami-Dade and Broward counties and plan to open a sixth location later this year. Fudrucker's is known for burgers and its big produce bar with dozens of toppings. Like all restaurants, the Montevans had to close their restaurants in the spring and pivot to takeout before reopening at half capacity just a few weeks ago. The father and son spoke with us via Zoom from their headquarters.
6: We've been doing great, you know, we're doing good. I would say great because we could be worse, you know. I feel blessed that we are still, uh, we are doors open, you know, because a lot of small business, they're not surviving because they didn't have the technology.
0: Marcelo Andres, how has the last just handful of weeks gone as you've been able to reopen your dining rooms in South Florida?
5: Well, the sales have been increasing slowly every single week, um, and it's been great so far um, compared to the weeks that we're just doing uh, takeout orders. Everyone's being careful, you know, wearing masks. Um, We're doing 50% capacity to all the restaurants. Um, We don't have our produce bar that we normally do or our condiments bar. We're doing everything individually wrapped for safety reasons. And we're just expecting to see an increase in sales, um, week by week.
0: How has that impacted your staffing and your rehiring if you've seen any?
5: Well, we've been able to keep, um, all our employees, essentially.
0: You didn't have to furlough or lay off any employees?
5: No, we didn't. We had the PPP, so that helped us out.
0: The paycheck protection program. Correct.
5: And that helped us out a lot. And we were able to maneuver through, through the, the harder times with that and then, um, It's hard ramping up with business. The
6: DPP, it was a great program, but for the short term. In the short term, it helped us a lot to keep our employees working full-time. After that, they become part-timers that we carry all the expenses myself, you know, because people need to work, they good people, you know. It's better to keep things that we train people or rehire you know we didn't have any layoff zero zero of the 260 employees that we have
0: so you were able to pay those 260 employees with the paycheck protection program for the eight weeks that that generally lasted and then you converted those employees to part-timers so that they still had some income and you kept them in the Ruckers business is that right
6: correct that's correct.
0: Marcelo Andres, how does the workforce look like today as you're back at 50% capacity at the dining rooms in South Florida? Are all those 260 employees back to the hours they had prior to the pandemic?
5: Uh, Yeah, a little reduced, but yeah, essentially, yeah, they're, they're, they have the bulk of their hours.
0: And have you had to change pay rates or anything like that?
5: No, nothing like that. No change in pay rate, just maybe a slight reduction in hours, but that's about it.
0: So how have you managed this as the chief operating officer? You could only have half capacity at best, but it sounds like your cost structure has remained pretty similar to what it was in February before all this happened.
5: Well, yes, but also to-go orders have increased dramatically. So web orders, um, call-in orders, Uber Eats, DoorDash, all that stuff has increased um you know so that has made up a little bit well, just one thing about like uber eats and third-party delivery what it does also it serves as like a marketing tool so sometimes you're reaching an audience that normally wouldn't come to fudruckers or eat fudruckers so let's say one day you're scrolling on your phone you're going to order sushi but then you see fudruckers you're like oh wow i haven't had fudruckers in years and they they order that day so sometimes you just reach out to newer customers and that's what's great about about it
0: how do you feel about that surcharge? I know that that has been a point of contention.
5: Yeah, that's that's the
6: tough part about it. But we chalk it down to a marketing fee. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it's tough with those fees, but you gotta have it because you know you're gonna lose your customer. Yeah. The, you, the competition's gonna grab it. You don't do it. Yeah. You have to pay those fees. You know, even though they are very high, very high. But uh, but you you control everything little by little. You know. Uh, this is a business that every sense count. Business people we understand, and we ha- we have been trying to control better our food costs or labor costs, but we haven't reduced you know, the rates, You know, even though we have increased salary in management, some of them. You know.
0: So you gave raises during the pandemic to some of your managers.
6: Yes, because you you want to keep them. The first thing that I did, I called myself my salary. I called my salary song, and a lot, you know, all salary, executive salary, but management employees never.
0: Have you returned either of your pay rates back to what they were during the pre-pandemic?
6: Not yet. Not yet. We're still waiting. I'm very conservative.
0: Marcel Andres, I'm wondering, what do you think the industry needs? beyond more customers, of course, right, more sales, but really what does this industry need to regain its footing here in South Florida, do you think?
5: I think the industry needs people to be comfortable um, to come outside of their houses again. They have to know that our restaurants are safe, that you know, we're sanitizing tables, um, that everyone's wearing a mask, we're at 50% capacity, that you have the option to eat outside at some of our locations. And then if you want to, you can simply take your food to go. You know, people just simply need to get out of the house and just follow safety precautions. I think that's a major step.
0: Marcelo Sr., what's the source of your confidence to open a sixth restaurant here as we're still fighting the pandemic, as we've seen the hospitality industry particularly damaged because of the public health consequences that we've seen?
6: We're going through the tunnel. At the end of the tunnel it's going to become a lot of opportunity for any industry you know at this you know the end of the world
0: share with us how you've been able to operate through this tunnel toward growing the business where's the capital come from where has the the risk tolerance come from for you to be able to move forward with the restaurant opening
5: well thankfully we had Been somewhat prepared for it. We have been saving quite a bit for a rainy day. So that's what we strongly believed in, saving.
0: Your dad's shaking his head up and down, agreeing with you pretty vigorously as he's just off of your left shoulder. Yeah,
6: You know, know, at the end, liquidity is very important, you know. When you have business made, you don't have liquidity. Someday you're going to need it.
0: But in February, you weren't saving dollars because you were worried about a virus, I can't imagine.
6: For, or for any other reason, not only the virus, for different reasons, you know, that the sales go down or the food costs have been increasing year by year by year by year. Our margin is going down, going down. And that's the reason you need to have capital, you know, because some, sometimes you're going to need it.
0: That's not an equation that a lot of business people would be envious of, your costs going up and your margins getting squeezed. And yet you're growing in that industry, right?
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we love it, you know, because this industry is very tough. You got to have the energy, you know. You need to put the energy in your employees, you know.
0: Many of your competitors or colleagues may not be able to reopen when dining rooms can reopen at full capacity. Marcelo Andres, does this influence, do you think, your future in the industry?
5: No, I don't think it affects my future in the industry. I think the restaurant industry is going to change a little bit in the sense that maybe now, you know, um, third party delivery systems are going to be a major player. As we've seen, the increases to-go orders are going to be a lot bigger, um, and and maybe food safety is going to be a big issue. And then it's also going to be uh, good for us because we're going to be more involved, you know, in sanitation practices. You know, we're doing like time te- um, temperature logs for all our employees. So maybe some of these things I think are going to stick for the long run. So some of the things that we learn out of this might be a positive thing
6: i think it's a learning experience for everyone you know? yeah you definitely. know for myself for him you know it, it's still in the learning period the way that we're learning we, now we are studying studying more the technology the process of to-go orders the dining i think it, the combination is gonna do us better restaurateur you know and uh I think we have opportunity to increase sales because the to-go orders is unlimited.
0: Father and son Marcelo and Marcelo Andres Montovan they own and run five Fuddrucker restaurants and hope to open a sixth this year. Last year, Marcelo Sr. said they did about $19 million in revenue combined. He expects half that amount this year. Now the Fuddruckers brand is franchised from a publicly owned company based in Houston. That parent company is looking to sell itself, but the Maltavons say any sale of the Fuddruckers brand won't affect their restaurants because they own them. Still to come, catching up with a baker, banker, and bartender as they navigate through the pandemic economy.
2: I didn't have a a customer all the way up until 2.30 and my shift ended at four.
3: We're rebranding the company in a a time like this, right? In a pandemic time. had a new customer
8: calling that is looking for a loan, and and, but I told the guy, hey, sometimes you gotta kiss the frogs to find your prince. And so send me your information and we'll see.
0: We're back on the Sunshine Economy here on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks again for listening. Economic statistics are important to gauge how the economy reopens and recovers, even while COVID-19 is still a public health crisis. But data is a lot different than individuals facing the uncertainty of this economy. So each week, we will be talking with the banker, baker, and bartender about how they're navigating through this pandemic economy in South Florida and what their individual experiences can tell us about the overall economic recovery.
8: Uh, This is Ginger Martin, the president and CEO of American National Bank.
0: The bank is in Fort Lauderdale and concentrates on small business and commercial real estate loans. The big news in banking last week was the U.S. Federal Reserve signaling that it will keep its target interest rate near zero, and that should keep borrowing rates really low.
8: That was not a surprise, but I think what did surprise me and of course, this is just a prediction. I, I know that uh, that can definitely change, but the fact that they're thinking about leaving them level until 2023. So I kind of went, whoa, that's a, that's a long time, uh, longer than, than I would have thought. And of course, that can definitely change. We had a, a new customer, a prospect, uh, you know, calling uh, that is looking for a loan. And, and the interesting thing, and this has kind of been a common thread, is where they had, a, you know, a great 2019. Of course, COVID really impacted their 2020. So it's, it's pretty much the gentleman's telling me, if you look at my 2020, you know, I've really had challenges. Um, but I, but I have this great opportunity that they really need somebody to listen to their story and and see if they if if, they, if we could loan them money to to. And this one I was talking to, it sounds like a great, great potential. So I think there's people that have some opportunities to really do something bigger in the future. But what's happened in 2020 has put financial strain on them. And but I told the guy, uh, I have an expression. Um, I said, hey, sometimes you got to kiss the frogs to find your prince. And so send me your information and we'll see. (laughs) So truthfully, what I did, I sent it on to my uh, my loan officer and credit team to, to look at but I loved his idea and I think it's got great potential and yet there's that risk and it's, it's not a slam dunk for us as a bank I had a, a bank uh, board meeting and we had just a very strong pipeline that, that was approved and those were commercial real estate deals and you know one of them is in the 13 million dollar range that we're really uh, excited to have approved. You know, that's a big deal for us. That was extremely positive and will be a needle mover for us.
0: Ginger Martin with American National Bank in Fort Lauderdale makes up the banker of our banker-baker-bartender trio. Pilar Guzman Zavala owns Half Moon Empanadas with her husband. The company has survived, even though most of its locations shut down and business slowed at those that have remained open, like at Miami International Airport. A project that's been in the works for over a year is coming to a crescendo in the weeks ahead.
3: We are super excited. Uh, it's It's a crazy time. We're launching the brand, the refresh of the brand. And so you know, we changed the logo. It's the same name, but we changed the logo, the colors, the whole look and feel is more millennial looking, industrial looking. You know, we haven't done anything to the brand in 12 years since we started. So it took us a year to work on this project. And it's finally in the execution uh, place where we are renovating the whole kitchen outside. Uh, so we are painting a mural. With the new brand, we have a ventanita, like a small window uh, retail in, in our kitchen where people can stop by and get a box of empanadas. It's like a grab and go. And so we are like also redesigning that as to make it more like a little cozy small ventanita uh, shop. So people don't see much of the kitchen anymore. Uh, it used to be like an open space. So So that's been happening. I've been on the details. Um, I'm very, um, in, in that way, a little bit crazy. Like, you know, you'll see that the pictures of the mural has triangles of colors, and I literally have made the muralists change the colors of like a specific triangles because they don't match my what I my vision of the brand. So, it's been a lot of details this week. Next week, so next week will be. We'll continue to focus on on social media and preparing now for the launch of the new brand is October 3rd, right? So it's two weeks from now. And we invited the mayor of the city uh, to come and cut the ribbon for us. And we invited one of my mentors. We're rebranding the company in a, a time like this, right? In a pandemic time. You have to continue to push, even if things are hard, to try to trust that you're doing the right thing and that this will generate more sales for me in the delivery in my kitchen in you know, for the empanadas. And so, you know, it's it's trusting that it will work, you know.
0: Pilar Guzman Savala with Half Moon Empanadas. The bartender we're following did not spend much time behind the bar in the past week.
2: Uh, yeah, Keisha Scott here.
0: <laughs> she works at an Italian restaurant in Palm Beach County, and she had more free time after working several double shifts earlier in the month, She was okay with that because she's working to gain some new skills.
2: No doubles this week. Um, So that was nice. So that I have a lot more uh, time to myself this week to do things. Um, Got some studying in. Um, It's been a little slower week, so work hasn't really been much. So I've been able to study while at work also. So it's been kind of helpful. My exam is actually next Thursday. My personal trainer certification. So right now, it's really just down to just muscles and bones and (laughs) just trying to get that down pat. When one's not working, then I got to know that there's something else working. So it's just a lot of memory. I'm feeling pretty confident. I work out before I go to work pretty much every day. So when I'm doing my workouts, I'll try to do them incorrectly so that way I can feel what I'm supposed to know is happening that's wrong so I can know what to assess and then I do it the correct way. they label that in the book as my kinetic memorization, just doing the work and, and trying to memorize it that way because so, I can't stare at a book any, any much longer. <laughs> Working day shifts as a bartender is a little tough because it's, it's slow. And then we just had a breakfast and lunch only place open next to us. So <laughs> they kind of just take all of that, that lunch business. So just a lot of sitting and watching people go next door <laughs> Tuesday. I didn't have a, a customer all the way up until two thirty, and my shift ended at four time that there's no money coming in unless it's a bill, I do not touch it because I'd have no idea what my schedule's going to look like until I get to work on Fridays is when you, usually when it's posted. I don't usually worry if I have at least like you know two night bar shifts. I don't really worry that much because those will usually equal amount. But if I don't get a lot of bar shifts and I have to wait tables and that, that really hurts. It's going to be a short week again for me because I had to take time off, number one, for my exam. And it's also my boyfriend and I's anniversary. So I took time off so we can spend time together. So, but that was already planned. So luckily for, for me, he also has a job and we're okay in that light.
0: That's Keisha Scott. She's the bartender of our banker-baker-bartender trio of women that we'll speak with each week about what they're experiencing as the pandemic economy reopens and works to recover. You can follow us on Twitter, at WLRN is our handle there. Look for a podcast of this program by searching Sunshine Economy on your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to tell your smart speaker to play WLRN. Joe Johnson is our technical director. Polly Landis is our booking producer. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening.